heavy metal the way it was meant to be. Classic 80s Underground. On blogtalkradio.com, the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. With your host, Mike the Big T.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. We started things off here tonight with Wasp and Tormenta. Things have been really quiet on the Wasp front. I mean, the last I remember hearing from the band was, I think, back in the spring. In uh, April or May, when I believe Blackie broke his hip or his leg or something in a car accident. And uh, they canceled all their tours for the summer. And there hasn't been any word anywhere about anything going on with the band in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. So uh, even the year before, when he was supposed to do the big 30th anniversary thing, and that kind of petered out too. So uh, not really sure what's happening in uh, in the camp of Wasp, but uh, hopefully Black can get back to business, put out some music, and uh, get back out there on tour. But tonight, we have a great show for everybody. Chuck Billy from Testament is our guest, along with Michael Voss from Mad Max and his Ben Wolfpack. So uh, stick around. We've got a great one for you. I'm going to get us some new music for you right now. This is a band called Toledo Steel. They're out of the UK. They're relatively new, been around about two, three years. But they're bringing back that classic new wave of British heavy metal style. And you know what? We have to support bands that keep the classics alive. So here's a tune by the band called Black Widow.
back on the hunt with the overdrive. I haven't played them on the show in quite some time, so we were kind of overdue over there. You know what? How about we get on a song by Testament, and then we go right into the interview with Chuck Billy. We also have Michael Voss from Mad Max later on in the show. Let's sit back and enjoy. So let's start things off. We'll go a little old school with Testament, then we'll get off something off the latest record that the band has. It's actually a live CD DVD. So from back in the day, here's Alone in the Dark.
Hey, Chuck, this is Mike. How are you? Hey, Mike. What's happening, man? Hey, what's going on there, man? How you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Uh, calling in around around the country. Hey, hey that, that's a good thing, huh? It's a good thing to be this busy, huh? <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, man, especially after the 90s, it's always good, you know, to keep active today. And, you know, once again, I mean, since you guys have come back, it seems like the band is bigger now than back in the 80s, like during the heyday of metal. You guys seem to be doing better now than back then. Well, I think we're, we're working a lot harder. You know, I think, um, you know, after the 90s, you know, and the whole metal dropping off the planet, um, you know, and we had the reunion, and we did it last couple of records. We've been, like, touring our asses off as much as we can. Um, I think around the time of the Gathering record, we weren't, we weren't touring as much because we kind of had a rotating door of musicians throughout the band. And uh, we didn't know who was coming or going or there to record a record or go on tour. So we didn't tour that much because we didn't, you know, we didn't have a set lineup. So, yeah, you're right. Ever since, you know, we've got the guys back together, we've all been working hard and touring more. Things are paying off. Yeah, it must feel good. I mean, I know the 90s were rough. I mean, no matter what kind of band you were in or what music you were playing, if you were anywhere in the rock and metal genre, it was hard. But you guys, I mean, were active, like, you know, album-wise. You put out a lot of records in the 90s, but it just wasn't there live, I understand. But when you come back now, two records later, and, like, the fans are still going, they talk about you more now than in the past, and I love it because I'm like, I remember going back to the legacy days with these guys, and I'm so happy that, like, you know, 30 years later almost, you know, you guys are still going at it. And with the new DVD, I mean, I was watching clips of it. I was like, holy shit, man. I said, I remember that Paramount show. It was a madhouse that day. I mean, did you guys pick that place to film, you know, intentionally, or did you film throughout the tour, kind of narrow it down to that one club? No, we picked that, that building. We knew that uh, when we were going to shoot a DVD that we were going to pick um, a show in the middle of the tour, you know, at least so we had the show and the set down. And um, when we knew we were going to do that, of course, we started looking at venues and, the Paramount made the most sense. It had a good sound and light rig, and the cow, the cameras in there wasn't going to take up all the room. So it kind of it kind of made sense. And it was the day after the big New York show. Of course, New York's like a madhouse with everybody down there, and it was just craziness. So it just worked out really good. Yeah, and it can And the, you know, the DVD came out fantastic. It's also got the CD of the live show on there. Was there a lot of work putting this together? I mean, did you have to go and kind of fix things up, or did you just kind of put it out? as it was live that night? No, we had to fix things up a bit. You know, I think, like, you know, when you go to record a live record, you know, of course you got to make sure the live sound is good to the fans in the building. So you use, you know, what you use all the time, the same microphones. And the microphones you use for live recording aren't necessarily the best for recording to, to do a record. So um, when we recorded the guitars with, like, bass, like you know, uh, SM57, we took those tracks and ran them, re ran them through an amp um, that sounds better using better mics and just make the guitars sound warmer and bigger and and better. Um, there's just that, you know, not much fixing of like the guitar parts, like Alex's parts. He just touched up a few notes here and there. Um, I cleaned up some vocals, you know. Um, I don't think I had the best vocal performance that night, but so I had to clean up some stuff. It happens. Yeah, that's part of life. But you put out a great package. And when you decided, like, you know, it's been a little over 10 years now since you guys decided to get back together, did you try to put the whole classic lineup, you know, back in order? 
I mean, you have most of it now outside of Louis on drums, but it's not like Gene's a slouch anyway. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, things just happen for reason. Louis, Louis would be right here with us if he could. You know, he had arthritis in his hands, and he really just couldn't play. It came to that point where he just couldn't play. Even though Louis, we still consider him like the sixth member because he's still there. You know, he still has opinions in the songs we write. And, you know, Eric and him are buddies they grew up childhood friends so eric always sends him the new riffs and louis gives his comments and you know gives his comments on t-shirt design so he he's right there with us still you know he just can't play <laughs> so yeah. um yeah. but you know like you said gene ain't no slouch so it's kind of <laughs> nice we got gene is a monster that just adds a whole other dimension to the band you know yeah, that's great. Is Gene going to stick with the band? Because, you know, Gene, Gene's all over the place. He's got so many things going on. Is he going to stick around and keep I mean, playing I with you guys? So. I hope so. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't see why not. He's, you know, he said he's very happy jamming with us. And, you know, he's, he's, all, he's all in. You know, when we did the record, he's like, I'm here for the whole record cycle. You know, I'm here. And I don't think he's going anywhere. But, you know, I can't. I don't have a crystal ball, so you never know. <laughs> Yeah, so. you think you think that's the hardest part of the business today? I mean, you know, early on, you know, you're so focused on making it and getting ahead and, and moving along. Now today, is it a little bit more relaxed today, where you guys kind of know each other for all these years and you know where you're at and what you have to do and how to get it done? Is it more of a relaxed atmosphere within the band itself? I mean, it's definitely more relaxed. Um, you know, I just think, um, you know, over time, with I think anything you do in life, you know, the more you do it. You know, the better you get, you fine tune things. You just know how to, you know, you know, especially working with people as, as touring musicians or artists writing songs. You kind of, you kind of know what the other guy's thinking. It's like, you know, being married for twenty something years. You know what you're, what's going to push your wife's buttons or not. You know, and yeah, uh, well, over, over here, yeah, it's everything. That same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's you know, like I was saying, because you see so many bands getting back together today, and a lot of this shit that kind of like you know reared its head for them, you know, early on, you know, it's back. And you would think that a lot of bands say, hey, you know what, we kind of got a second chance here. You know, the scene's picked up again. It's you know revitalized. You know, let's make the most of it and enjoy it, and you know, do what we can. But it seems like a lot of shit still pops up in a lot of bands. Is that something you guys can get over? And not like you had a lot of problems early on, anyway. But I mean, you just kind of yeah. like you know look past a lot of the shit that used to maybe bother you when you were younger. I mean, for our case, you know, when Testament split up, we didn't go out on bad terms at all. It just, it just, you know, guys were the guys were really young when they started the band. You know, fourteen, fifteen years old. So all they knew, you know, growing up as a teenager and then turning twenty-one was being on the road and touring. They wanted to try Alex wanted to do other things and you know, and Louie wanted to get married and do try to be the other side of living life and it just happens, you grow up, you know, but we didn't go on a bad term, so when we got back together it wasn't like, you know, there was something we needed to like get clear, you know. Um so in art but there is other bands that might have those issues where there's something that they gotta work through before they get back to the start, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know the, the more you're together, the more albums you put out, the harder it is, like, you know, to put a set together that's going to please everybody. You've got the diehard old fans that were with you guys in the beginning in the 80s. You have the fans, the younger kids that have come into the band from, like, the Dark Roots of Earth or the Formation of Damnation. You know, is it harder to pick and choose what to play to kind of, like, make everybody happy? Because I would love to hear more stuff from, like, Low and Demonic. And yeah, I know you guys just don't get a lot of that into the set anymore, but is it hard to pick and choose where to play and what to play? 
it, it always gets harder. Depends of what, especially if you're like support acting, got forty or fifty minutes. I mean, you know, we got over a hundred songs, and when you got to cut it down to seven or eight, it gets tough. But you know, you hit on a on something there because we we notice ourselves we don't do much off low or the demonic record, and we talk about it and we discuss that next next year when we start touring again. We're, we're going to start playing some of that stuff. You know, we've played enough of this material, the new material, you know, and everything. It's time to start getting some of those songs, especially Gene did the demonic record with us. Yeah. You know, right. so we talked like, you know, we don't even play none of that, and Gene did the record. So I'm sure next year people are, you're going to see us playing more low and demonic. And maybe that even the ritual. Great. I mean, that's, that's, oh. that's even a record we just kind of skip over a little bit. That would be great, you know, because like the night, like I said, it was a rough time for music. I don't think those albums really got the attention they deserved because, you know, the fans just weren't around at that time. And I think now, I mean, I would love to hear Trail of Tears live. I mean, I hope you get back to that record one day. And, you know, on a lot of bands, they're going out and doing entire albums. I know you guys did that over, over in Europe. Do you have a plan of maybe trying to do that again? Um, well, we talk about it, you know. I think um, we did uh, the Legacy New Order in Japan and England. And they went over really well. I mean, shit, we, I think we sold the show out in England. It was like 12 minutes or something like that. It just wow. went like that. And um, we don't, we didn't want to overdo it. We wanted to really make it special event when you do those kind of things. Um, so I think the latest stuff me and Eric have talked about, wouldn't it be killer if we could do the Gathering record, you know? Because yeah. that one for me is a, kind of a special record. And I think that was really kind of a turning point kind of, jumping back into the mix and really finding ourselves as a band on that record. That was a good record. And like I said, any fan would love to hear this. And like when you're playing out today, do you notice like a change in the audience? Do you find like more of the people like myself in the old days with you? Or do you find them more of a newer crowd or is it a good mix? Cause you know, it's, it's important a, it's to get the new kids into the music. Yeah. So it's definitely a good mix. But I think last year I, I've really seen a, a new generation of younger kids. And it's funny because, they're dressing like the 80s with the yeah. tight stretch jeans and the high tennis shoes and the denim vests with patches. And it's like, wow, man, we're back. We're back, you know. And um, there's definitely a new generation of young, rebellious kids looking for something just like we all were when we were that age. That's a good thing. I mean, especially when you get the girls in the spandex. I mean, that's always a good thing to have that around in the audience, you know, because oh, it's, yeah. mostly, it's <laughs> mostly like a sausage fest in a lot of the shows. So yeah. it's always good to get the girls back in there again. Well, it's true. I mean, you know, we've been winning first in the 80s. There was a lot of guys that were just at the show. And then over the years, now there's girls. You know, now I even see girls, like, right in the middle of pit calling out guys. You know, it's like, wow, it's the size of change, you know. Yeah, it really has. It's an amazing thing. And, I mean, you know, you've been in this for so long and for so many years, and you've seen the changes in the industry. I mean, it's been like a roller coaster ride. And I guess it's kind of like that with everything in life. But, like, what does a band have to do today, like, to make themselves relevant or to even make themselves profitable? I mean, I think making money is one of the hardest parts of the business today, no matter who you are, whether you're, like, you know, playing the arenas or some local band playing a small club. In the end, you want to make money because this is also a job. I mean, do you feel like you have to yeah. be a carnival barker almost today, trying to like you know get the word out there constantly? Well, you have to keep. You, I mean, we've noticed just because we've toured so hard for the last couple of records. I mean, you know, I think promoters pay attention that if you're not out there working and getting in front of people, they 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 pay attention to your numbers. You know, and I think we've kind of built up something over the last couple of years where 
you know, promoters have hit notice, and uh, we are getting better offers and better venues and better packages, and and it, you know, it's, it's almost like starting over again. But you know, it's, we we've accomplished it. We've got there again. You know, so it's it just takes everybody. You just got to get out there. It's tough. It's a tough business, you know, and. And the most important thing is you got to have a good label that believes in your band and understands what they're doing because you can put out the best record on the planet, but if nobody's really working it or spreading the message with you, pointless, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I, I talk to so many bands and, you know, when you ask them, you know, why did you guys break up or, you know, what caused the band to fall apart? And you always think that there's going to be like some kind of like conflict, with the band, you know, with the band members. And that happens every now and then. But most of them will tell you, you know, it was because we had band management. We had no record label support. And, you know, that may be hard for a lot of people to understand that aren't in the business. But it's like you said, you put all your time and effort into putting out a record. And if the label just says, all right, well, hey, I'm going to throw it on the side of the table. They don't push it. You know, you're kind of left, you know, to your own devices. And how much can you possibly do on your own without that support? Yeah, it, 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 it really does make it tough. You know? yeah. I mean, what do you find to be better today about the business than, like, when you guys first started out? Um, well, I don't know about the business part of it, but what's flip-flopped when we started in the 80s is that major labels in the 80s were taking on more metal bands that were becoming successful, and the independent labels were more of the underground stuff, where today independent labels are more the forefront of selling records compared to the majors as far as metal or extreme music. You know, I don't know a lot of mainstream big uh, record labels that release metal records, you know. Um, so it, it has flip-flop, and I just think that those big labels like that, like when we were at Atlantic, I don't think they got this music, or they probably didn't even like it, but they just did it as a job because that was the next thing on their agenda. Um, and they didn't get it and didn't put their heart and soul in it. And I actually really felt it. You know, I felt that they, they, they're not, they don't love our band. Whereas like a nuclear blast with us, you know, you, you feel it. You, you know, these guys understand and love the music, love the band, love the, what they do. And they care. They want, they want to, they want to make their, a name for their labels. And it's totally different. It's totally flip flop now. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably disheartening too because, like, you know, you strive to do the best you can, and you say, "Hey, we're getting signed to Atlantic Records, a major label," and then it winds up not being like it says what you think it's going to be or, or supposed to be because they're not behind you, and it's got to be a little disheartening in a way, and, and it must affect the band, you know. What well, does? I mean, you know, we're we're are a metal band from the beginning, and every video or single that we did or they had the A and R guy at our studio all you hear them saying is, what's the next single? What's the next video? It should be a ballad. So we, in the, with the Atlantic years, we did all these ballads, you know, and it's like, that doesn't represent Testament, but it was some A&R guy thought, hey, I, I could push this easier on the radio or to, he, what, as he thought, more of a mainstream fan base where I, I didn't agree with it. And I just, I look back now and I see the videos and go, that wasn't Testament. You know, that's, that's, that, that's Atlantic and their Angar guy, what they wanted, you know. So it's, you know, it, it was messed up a little bit on that sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty. you know. It's, it's always easy to look back today and say we could have, should have, would have. But, you know, the past is the past, and you guys are so active today, and you've got such an amazing sound again, like the old days. I know you're going out on a tour, I think, in a couple of weeks. You're heading out the road again for a couple of months, right? Yeah, next week. We leave next Sunday. Or oh, this Sunday, coming up. Who's on this tour? 
This is Lamb of God, Kill Switch, Engage, and Huntress. Oh, that's going to be a good tour. That's going to be great. That's great show. Great. Great. It's going to be a great tour. And, you know, where this is a, a, a tour for us that I think, you know, we're going to get to those younger fans and generation of people and kind of show them what Testament-style thrash metal is. Hell yeah. Do you find it better to be on like kind of like a mixed bag on a tour where, you know, you can reach out to different audiences where instead of just going out with the same like type of bands that, you know, play the same music as you because you know you're going to hit that, you know, that market audience. But when you go out like a Lamb of God or a Kill Switch, you know you're going to have a different type of audience than a typical Testament audience. So is, is well, it better for Well, that's what we're looking band? for. It's better for us because, you know, I think if you're playing a club level like we're headlining, we there's only a certain amount of people that you can get in a club or a theater or whatever. And that same amount of people are going to come with any package. But if you get to a bigger venue that's going to bring more younger kids are a different crowd, it's better for a band like us. It's, it's really it's an opportunity to possibly uh, play in front of somebody who's not necessarily, you know, came to see Testament, but, you know, never really put the thought into it, but it might go out of there enjoying it and going, wow, you know, it's, I, I heard of them, but, you know, better than I expected or thought, you know, or whatever, you know. Yeah. Do you think the live show is still where it's at today? I mean, is that like, you know, where do people really get to see the band? Because, like, in the old days, albums almost were like, you know, like a, like a promotional tool to use to get bands out on tour and to bring people into the tour. But do you prefer the studio or do you prefer being out on the road? Uh, I prefer being out on the road. I mean, it's the studio it goes quick, but the road, it's fun because, it's, you know, we always, our old comment always is, man, we could be digging ditches, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, this this is this is a piece of cake and I love this you know and, and if I make more money doing this than digging ditches <laughs> so, how you yeah, know, keep it, doing it, that it, you put everything in perspective and and it, it, it's great you know <laughs> yeah yeah it, it it can be a grind I'm sure you know when you're sitting on that bus after a show you're like uh twelve hours to the next place I'm sure that could be a grind though it's not you know a piece of dream but you really learn how to deal with it and live with it and find things to do or keep your attention on things and. It, it it does get tired, but, you know, I mean, if we were traveling in a van and pulling a trailer and set up our own equipment, yeah, I think that would probably wear on you a little more, you know. But, you know, we travel comfortably, and it's not so bad, and, it's, you know, it, it makes it makes it nice, you know. I mean. Yeah. Who's the worst guy to sleep next on the tour bus? Well, the guy I do sleep next to, Eric. He fucking snores louder than me. Uh, he'll probably, he'll probably say the same thing because I snore right back. It's a uh, battle. Uh, I can imagine. Everybody in the bus puts us together because they know it's going to be a competition. Yeah, I'm sure that's a fun bus ride. I can imagine. Yeah? Uh, listen, I, you know, the Dark Roots of Earth came out only a year ago, but I hear that you actually work on a new material for that. Maybe next year in 2004. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, starting January 1st, right after this is the last tour that we're doing for the record. And then January 1st, we start writing the new record, man. Time. Man, that's going to be great. I mean, I know it was a couple of years between the last two, but you guys are really like striking while the iron is hot, and that's a great thing. Yeah, I mean, with the last record we did, we felt that, you know, that's, we're on a roll. Let's, let's keep going and see maybe we can create another good record since, you know, there's no reason to sit around and take some time right now. But oh, you know, we're uh, yeah. I'm in my fifties now. I ain't got time to sit around and wait. I got let's write some music and go, go, go. That, that's right. What's going on with Dublin Death Patrol? Anything happening? I mean, I know it's just the thing you guys do, like you know, in between. But uh, you know, Death Patrol. No, we really, really kill a record. Uh, 
No, we released that second record and didn't tour off of it. Um, it was only supposed to be for fun. We were never intended to to do any records. You know, it just kind of, you know, we weren't we weren't meaning to do that. So, yeah. Uh, there's some good stuff over there, but uh, Chuck, I'm not going to yeah. keep, I know you got a whole bunch of these things to do. I'm not going to tie you up any longer. We'll give you a little break, but the tour starts soon. The, the the CD, the DVD is out, I think, on the 29th here in America, so people got a lot to look forward to this month from you guys. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully we'll see everybody out on the tour on this thing, it is going to be a really good tour. I know it will be. I'm going to see you guys in New Jersey when you get around, so I'm looking forward to that. And Chuck, the best of luck Sweet. with the DVD, CD, man. All right, man, thanks. We'll see you then. You too. Take care, buddy.
Testament, Man Kills Man. That was off the Dark Roots of the Earth CD. And the band just put out a brand new one called Dark Roots of Thresh. It's a CD DVD that was filmed in its entirety at the Paramount here in uh, Long Island, New York. So uh, definitely a great quality uh, DVD. It's got like a Thresh cam for somebody in the audience going around. So definitely pick it up if you haven't gotten it yet. But right now, my partner in crime, who I wasn't able to get on before the interview, T, what's happening, buddy? Wow, a live performance. <laughs> well, it's not funny. live. It's on, ta- it's, on, it's on digital tape, but... Uh, but it sounded good. Sounded good? <laughs> yeah, right, it came yeah. good. Yeah, nice I was going to do it live, but I know I would have flubbed it, you know, and uh, so I said, let me, well, you know, that's why I wasn't on right away, you know, it was like 6.05, 6.06 before. Then my internet wasn't working, so that always happens. I had to reboot the friggin' whatever. So, welcome to the show, right? Definitely. Oh, Definitely. Ah. Happy birthday, brother. Man. Thank you very you much. Really I appreciate that. After everything you've been through these last couple of years, these last couple uh. of weeks, these last couple of days. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely an eventful week. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, but it, it's well, over now. <laughs> and we start a new week fresh. That's it. You got you to look at it that way. And we're here to hear the metal. And, That's right. Uh, nice interview with Chuck Billy. Yeah, we we had Chuck on the show back in 2009, so it's been a long time since we spoke to him, and uh, now the band's getting bigger and better. When Kenny calls in in a few minutes uh, with his weekly update, we have yeah. to talk about because they just, Testament just played at the Rosen Ballroom, and you know we know it's closing soon, or probably at the yeah. end of the year, yeah. or maybe next year. Uh, they played with uh, Kill Switch Engage and I think Lamb of God, and I was looking at some pictures that some people were taking from like behind stage of the audience, and yeah. the place was packed. I mean, packed yeah. to capacity. Yeah, because now uh, everybody's going to show up, right? Yeah, and I, and I don't know if uh, I got to ask Kenny. I don't know if Testament was the headliner or Kill Switch Engage. Uh, you know, because I'm not really a fan of a lot of the, the other bands on the bill, but you know, I'm not too sure. As a matter of fact, Kenny's on the line now, so let's uh, let's get Kenny here and find out what's going on. So let's get on the line, the mayor of Metalville, Mr. Ken Pierce from piercingmetal.com. Kenny, how are you? I, I, I'm, it's, it's your birthday, and I was trying to find a way to greet you with, for your birthday, but I just couldn't come up with anything that was like funny enough. Or, so happy birthday, Big Cheese. There That's good go. enough. I'll take it. Happy birthday, Big Cheese. Now, wait, Thank so you, you, had a question? you had a you had yeah, a question? Yeah, before you get on... going with your, uh, or your insulate, you're ready to let everybody know. I know you were at the show the other day at the Rosen Ballroom right. with Testament, and I saw some mm-hmm. pictures, and the place looked mm-hmm. mobbed. And I love yes. seeing that because it shows that people are still going out to the shows. I was curious, who was the headliner of that, that show? The headliner of that show was Lamb of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. And direct support was Kill Switch Engage. Well, so Testament were the first ones on, huh? Testament were the second ones on after Huntress. Oh, That's right. Wow. Huntress was on the bill too. I forgot all about them. You did Huntress. mention that the previous week. Yes, Huntress was on there first. Um, and there was a moderate crowd when Huntress was on, a better crowd when Testament was on, and then packed when Lamb of God and Killswitch were on. So, yeah, it's really their audience, I guess, you know. But uh, I mean, yeah, I think right. Testament fits the bill pretty good also. But if, no, no, well, I, I didn't say that Testament didn't go over great. I mean, Testament, you know, brutalized the place, 
you know. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I think that I think that the two bands, you know, both Lamb of God fans and Killswitch fans, and this is no offense to them, some of them are just like, okay, yeah, I saw that already, and this is what I like now, you know. Um, yeah. But I think this was still a great tour because you know you're gonna have. You're going to have some fans that are dying to see Testament finally, and what better way than having them on this, this great package, right? So. Correct. So, yeah, so that was it, but it was a sold-out show. It was packed, and they were uh, – the scalpers were trying to, trying to make a difference outside for themselves and getting told to fuck off by everybody who was passing them, which is always fun, you know? <laughs> Yeah, uh, the sc- I hate the scalpers. So I like it when they're coming up to metalheads who are like really nasty looking. And it's like, hey, you got one? Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> they're not used to that, I guess. You know, not at <laughs> all. I, you would think that scalpers at a metal show wouldn't really be like a business anymore because you know there were so many tickets because a lot of people aren't going that where you really wouldn't need the use of a scalpel. You would think for a lot of them, at least not like you know, I wouldn't yeah. think so. Yeah. So it was a so it was a great night though. I mean, you know, top to bottom, uh, a great show, and Lamb of God always delivers, and Killswitch is you know back on the rise because now they have their original singer back. Jesse Leach uh, is in the band again, uh, and and uh, they got a new album out too. And Lamb, Lamb of God has been around about three times in about a year now, and um, this is an interesting discussion because a friend of mine said. Yeah, you realize, did you remember when one of the guys said that Randy being in jail pretty much bankrupted the band because they had to pay all of this uh, stuff for his legal counsel and and all this stuff. So, I mean, I I can't say quote me on this because it's just, you know, hearsay with friends talking about stuff of the metal scene. But it does make sense that, you know, now these guys got to really make some money because, you know, they lost so many months of touring and that's where they make their cash, you know. So, sure. and uh, and and who knows if this stuff really, really has gone away? You know, you never know. This stuff might come back to haunt him in two years. Yeah, that's very even, true. Never without him even law. knowing something was wrong, you know. That's right. So, <laughs> and I'll say no more. Uh, so, so hey, wait. You know what? Let's let's also uh, reflect on the fact that. Uh, Mr. Lou Reed passed away this afternoon, apparently. Um, they, uh, they said he has died, and um, they didn't really say what happened. I mean, the he had a liver transplant. Oh, they just, announced it, they just announced that a little while ago. They said he died of embarrassment from the Lula record. Now, now, be nice. If somebody dies, you've got to be nice. I was being nice. <laughs> I, I, I wonder, though, I do wonder if everybody who, who really panned the record is going to start walking around, this was genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it'll oh, they be like, oh, the Rolling, you know? St- Rolling Stone magazine is going to put it on the cover. Rolling yeah. Stone's going to go nuts with this. I mean, yeah, hey, the guy was a you know a legend in that in that genre and all that. I always put up my memorial posts when someone of note dies, but yeah. I admit in it, I said, listen, I said, Lou escaped me, man. I don't, yeah, I, I can't say it. that I can't say that uh, I I really a hundred percent got him. And then friends of mine who were a little bit more. Astute, I guess they would say to you, like um, I'm smarter than you in music, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, kind of like Mike, what you tell everybody on the radio show all the time that you're smarter than us. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, and I just sat back. I sat back and said, Oh, well, all right, maybe you are. You know, maybe I'm just a troglodyte here. But uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, 
But uh, big ups to Lou Reed for influencing those he had influenced, and may he rest in peace. So let me get down to the business of uh, what's going on in the coming week. And it's a good one. Uh, Chilla Theater finished today over at the Sheraton Parsippany, and that was a lot of fun. Ace really was there signing uh, books and whatever else you wanted in the sign for a, I think, a nominal sum of 50 bucks a pop. That's pretty cool wow. if you want to uh, shake hands with Ace and get a signature. They're all doing it these days, man. They are all doing it. Uh, nothing on Monday going on that I see, but let's roll over to Tuesday where you got the tubes over at B.B. King Blues Club featuring their original singer, Fee Waybill. That's a good rockin' time. I remember those uh, tunes. They were they were a lot heavier than people on the radio let them show to be, so that sure. that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, Tesseract is over at St. Vitus Bar, big popular place, St. Vitus Bar. Remember, fans, it's 21 and over over there. Why? Because the word bar is in the title, so you got to go. Arcona is a Russian sensation of pagan magic. And they will be here at the Gramercy Theater on Tuesday with a couple of talented local bands as support. And also Death Angel is over in the Marlin Room at the Webster Hall. Mike, you and I convened and broke beer over uh, over some conversation at the Marlin Room not too long ago. And this show also has Three Inches of Blood, Battle Cross, Revocation, and Diamond Plate. Can you say, whew, that's going to be a mess of a time over there for fans who love that kind of metal. On Wednesday, October 30th, Zappa plays Zappa at the Gramercy Theater. That's Dweezil Zappa and his band bringing us the music of the late and still very, very great Frank Zappa. Uh, with a top-notch band, so don't miss that one out. I, unfortunately, will be missing that one because I will get my horror rock on with the Misfits over at B.B. King Blues Club. It's Devil's Night, man. That is the night before Halloween, you know, and they will be bringing on the music over at B.B. King Blues Club. On Thursday, Zappa Plays Zappa returns again, but he's playing over at the Beacon this time. So that's a really interesting switch to go from Gramercy Theater, which is only a few hundred, to the Beacon, which is a couple of thousand, you know. So that's, that's going to be uh, interesting to see. And we came, as Romans, are over at Irving Plaza with a whole bunch of... Why are you laughing? You the name, we came huh? as Romans. <laughs> I'm gonna have to have you mute once in a while because I'm you just sorry, cracked me I'm up. Sorry. I just think that's a funny name. <laughs> Get it, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start mailing you music from We Butter the Bread with Butter. If you oh know. yeah, that's <laughs> a good one. No, we came. Oh, that's good. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. You got. Sleeping with Sirens over at the Best Buy Theater on Friday night while Rick Emmett plays uh, with his acoustic duo at B.B. King Blues Club. And to get really heavy, Dying Fetus is over at Gramercy Theater on Friday as well. And that is our week in metal to do. Now, you said to me sometimes uh, the listeners are, are chiming in on the, on the page and saying I missed something. Guys, just drop me a note. Send me a note on Facebook on the Piercing Metal page. There's a mailbox for you to tell me what I might be missing. Now, I don't list everything. I will say that all the time because some of these calendars, they change shit and stuff goes up last minute. A band decides they want to play and they don't tell us all the time. So we have a chock full of nuts stuff to do but we will make, miss one or two things as time goes on. Still enough, right? Exactly. 
It happens. Let you know what's happening, and if it's worthy, you'll include it. Right. Well, no, it's not if it's worthy, I'll include it. I'll put everything I can in there, you. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you don't want to list a couple of garage bands that are playing in a studio somewhere. You know, well, you I know, mean, I can't, I can't do club. that. I do, I do admit that I can't do that. I do, I do have to focus on the industry uh, bands and the bands that you're playing on the radio here and, uh, and the bands that we're writing about. It's, and it's no slight to any of the fine, talented bands that are out there that are just uh, still on the up-and-coming. You know that. So, And exactly. as always, my fiends, I wish you all a very horrific Halloween. And find Piercing Metal over on Facebook, find it on Twitter, and on Instagram, and I will speak to you next month. Yeah. Next month, that's right. It's the end of October here. All right, Kenny, thank you, buddy. Take care. <laughs> I forgot all about that. I forgot that it's uh, this is the last show for October. Goes by. Oh, I disconnected Tommy by accident. Hey, you know, I'm getting trigger happy here with the with the button. All right, while we wait for Tommy to call back in, let's get on some metal. And uh, how about we do Mekon Delta, and then right after that, we'll follow it up with our demolition segment demo. So here's Kill the Enemy.
right, that was Instant Death out of New Jersey. The song is Malicious Intent, and they are this week's Demolition Segment artist. Head over to the blog spot, download yourself a copy of it. We only got a few more weeks to go in that segment. We're going to kind of wrap it up over there. You know, T, I was reading on uh, BWBK before, uh, you know, Slay is getting ready to go out. I think they just had their first show this past, uh, uh, well, this weekend, actually, still on the weekend over here, uh, yeah. out, out west. And uh, they, they're doing like a class, all of a sudden, it turns like, they're just going on a regular tour. Now they turn into a classic old school Slayer night. And mm-hmm. they're doing songs like from the first four or five records. I think everything yeah. up to uh, seasons they're doing. Uh, yeah, but I was looking at the set list. And there's only one song off the first record, which is a little disappointing oh. to me because if you're going old school, I mean, go yeah. old school. I mean, play yeah, yeah. a little bit. Play like you the know. first album, the EP, you know. Yeah, exactly. I, I forgot what they had. I forgot what they I think it was Black Magic was the only song they had in the set list that I was wow. looking at off, off the first only record. I mean, songs off the first record. Yeah, I mean, do the Antichrist, Die by the Sword. Oh, I mean, Die by the Sword. That song's so yeah. good. You don't hear I mean, I would go out with, with that whole first record, to be honest with you. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah. I do the whole tunes. first record and Haunting the Chapel EP. Yeah, that would be and, great. And, but... and In God and DeVita. <laughs> In God and DeVita, that's right. <laughs> that was a fucking great cover they did. Yeah, no, movie, it really was. Right? It was yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they sh- I wish they would have went back a little bit more to the first record. And, and the EP, like you said, it seems like even though it's old school, they the kind of rely more on like yeah. the last two records. That, I, I, I don't mean the last two records that they put out, but the last two records in the old school uh, tour. Libraries, which, yeah. Which is uh, Seasons uh, in the Abyss and uh, South of Heaven. So they're kind of doing everything up to 1990. And uh, I mean, I don't know, I, I'm not really interested in seeing them right now. I mean, I've seen them dozens of times over the years. And the yeah. so Paul Bolstaff is on drums now because Dave Lombardo has been out for well over a year now. And they announced him as the official replacement, which means I guess he's now a permanent member. Even though he was in the band back in the '90s for a long time when uh, when Dave right. was out the first time, right? He's back in, but Gary Holt has still not been confirmed as uh-huh. the replacement guitarist or the new guitar player. To, you know, for Jeff Anthony passed away, he's mm-hmm. still just like live, like you know, listed as a live musician with the band. Yeah. And I don't but get it, that. I mean, I I, I, I understand that Jeff was. Isn't Exodus his baby? Exodus is his. He's the only. Well, I, I was going to say he was the only original member left. But I believe Tom Hunt and the drummers are still yeah. playing with them oh. also. But yeah, that is his baby. Maybe that's why because yeah. he doesn't want people to think that you know he's enslaving them. Maybe he might have you know something yeah. he's fine with because you know let's face it, he's playing with for bigger audiences with Slade than he could ever play with Exodus. Probably torn a lot more and actually making a little bit of money, you know, because he's probably on a salary, you know, so he's yeah. getting yeah. so yeah. much money per show or however they they you know they work it out. And it brings a little bit more attention to Exodus 2 now. So people that don't remember them from the old days and a lot of newer fans uh, can kind of like, you know, hear about them. So uh, maybe that is the reason why. Maybe he doesn't want that to take away from Exodus because, you know, it has been 30-something years that he's been involved in that band too. That could be the reason. I didn't really, you know, think of that. But that could be. Who knows? But I guess he's a busy guy right now, and that's a good thing. So we're going to have him on the show pretty soon too uh, because Exodus is getting ready to do something. So, uh We'll do that. And what do we got? I know next week we're going into November. I have a few guests lined up for, for November. Nothing big, nothing fancy. Just like one a week so we have somebody to talk to. And uh, we're going to just concentrate on music this month. And unless something comes up or a band comes to the town and we have to interview them, we're going to keep it kind of, uh, kind of low-key. But next week we have uh, Dave Windorf from Monster Magnet. And I know they're not the typical kind of band we would play on the show music-wise, but Dave's a fascinating guy. If you ever listened to him in interviews, so I figured, you know, I had to take advantage of that one and uh, get him on here. And uh, Lou Dimnick, who just wrote a book called This Music. It's a great little book on, on Wardance, uh, from Wardance Productions. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of looks like, you know, from my generation, and it kind of tells a story about, you know, how he became a metalhead back in the day, and you know, he was looking for something harder and heavy and got into the hardcore scene, and he recounts, like, you know, all the clubs, like, in the New York City area, from Staten Island to CBGB's, and his time growing up in the music, and, and if people were involved in the hardcore scene age, you remember from the band Our Gang, he played with them for many, many years, that was his baby, they yeah. kind of came around after my band Stillborn did, but, you know, we bounced around the same scene, and uh, lose a professor out here at the College of Staten Island these days, and he's got a great book, so we're going to talk to Lou next week, and it should be pretty fun reminiscing about the old, uh, you know, CBGB days. So, great idea. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that. And like I said, we'll see what comes up in November. I think we did so many interviews this year. We'll kind of like take it easy, and whatever pops up, we'll just grab and concentrate on the music and bullshit. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds good, right? Well, we were talking about Slayer, so let's get on a tune. Do, uh, let me see what I got one up here. You know what? We'll go off the EP, Haunting the Chapel.
All right, Malice with Circle of Fire. That comes off New Breed of Gods record with James Rivera on vocals there. T-Man, we're down to the last 40 minutes of the show. We got to talk to Michael Voss from Mad Max. So how about we do that? I spoke with Michael during the week, actually. This interview was recorded. So okay. uh, maybe we'll get that on right now. We'll play some... Well, let's play a tune by Mad Max. Because it's also got a band called Wolfpack right now. It's kind of a two-man band. And they bring all different guest musicians to play on, you know, a whole bunch of different tunes and everything. And it's some pretty good shit, I have to say. So uh, how about we get a tune on from his uh, main band, Mad Max, which also has a brand new record coming out in the coming weeks. Then we'll get that interview on. Sounds good, man. All right, here you go. Off the first record, wait, what? I shouldn't say the first record. The first record was heavy metal, but this is the first record that uh, he plays on. So uh, it's called Wait for the Night.
Hi, Mike. This is Mike. How are you? Hi, Mike. This is Mike. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's a pleasure to talk to you today. It's cool. Where, where are you based? Where are you from, then? New York City in the U.S. Oh, that sounds like a plan. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I tell you, we have to get you over here. I don't know what it's going to take to get you to, to, the, to the U.S. and New York, but we've got to work on that. I've been, I've been to um, to New York a couple of years ago, and that was, oh, I mean, just, I, I just was beginning of the 90s. I was, uh, is, it, is it still vivid, like uh, the place called Limelight? Is uh, it it's, it's a different place now, but it's still there, and I don't think they have any rock and metal shows there anymore. Well, I, rem- I, I remember I've seen uh, a solo show of Mr. Paul Stanley there, Eric yeah. Singer drumming, and Warren opening up. That was the show. That's right. right. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of dance clubs these days in rock. Uh, but uh, we'll get you here to play. You can play in my backyard. You just got to come to the U.S. It's, it's an, an, not a problem. <laughs> well, look, you know, you're a really busy guy. You have a lot going on, and you've had for the last, you know, 30-something years. It, it feels like yesterday, like we got Rolling Thunder going with Mad Max, but it was a long time ago. And now between the new Mad Max, a new Wolfpack record, this is a really busy year for you. Absolutely, and uh, I mean it's my life, and I like it. Uh, I, I love to sit down in uh, in my studio. You know, my my old studio burned down one year ago, and that was uh, that was a stroke. Two days before we went on tour with Mad Max, and uh, so I had to build rebuild my whole studio. And now I'm sitting. You won't believe it. I'm sitting in uh, in a swimming in a, like in a swimming pool down down in a, in a pool. I'm based in a fucking pool now. <laughs> That's crazy. Absolutely. Well, you know, the studio is important to you because, you know, besides, you know, writing and performing, you, you know, you're a producer, an engineer, you work with a lot of bands. So that's kind of like your life's blood over there. Yeah, absolutely. I just, uh, well, I just finished a new album of Mr. Michael Schenker that comes out in, uh, I think, in December. And so, uh, yeah, and we're in the middle of, I'm working with Mark Sweeney uh, on another couple of songs that we are writing for next year or the the, the whatever we're doing a wolf pack number three but we're i am busy and uh, i love to work it's always great i'm glad well you're talking about wolf pack it's a great thing you guys have going on you get all these musicians together you write a whole bunch of killer tunes and everybody kind of you know plays on them how did it all come about i mean was it something that you were looking to do like as another band or did you plan from the beginning to make this like a project where you were going to bring in your friends or different people to come play yeah, that's the part of the pack, you know. We're all a pack, like in a wolf pack, like uh, like the animals under each other. We, Mark and me, are writing the songs, and we are singing. We are singing the songs, and then uh, we're finishing first the songs, and then we say, oh, "Oh, this song could be something for 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 this artist or for this artist," because of like I'm doing it for 30 years now. I'm, I'm on the road so many times, and um, I know so many people. And then we invite the guys. Some have time. Some don't have time. Uh, some uh, are too expensive, and you know the game. It's uh, sometimes it happens, but it's it's it, it's like a um, a little, uh, not a kind of opera, but it's it's nice to feel um, to get all these special kind of notes, the special edits, and the the bits of the uh, of the artists that bring on their their life and their attitude to, towards the songs. That that feels great. Sure. Well, does it make it easier today with, you know, the technology that we have where if you do want somebody, you don't necessarily have to have them there with you. They could kind of record their parts, you know, from anywhere in the world, wherever they are at the time. Yeah, absolutely. But on the other hand, I mean, I'd love to, to have these guys here. 
you know, this is the, to have it really to make music because I grew up with, um, doing music, really do, making music. Everybody, uh, the, the band is sitting in one room and then practicing and afterwards then recording. And nowadays it's just, oh, send me, send me an MP3 file, I sent you back. I mean, that's okay-ish, but I prefer to have my singer here sitting next to me and say, oh, what, what, okay, what could we do with this song? And that's more personal and gives, uh, gives you a better approach, I think. I agree with you. I mean, there are so many bands today who have members that are literally all over. You have somebody in the UK, somebody in Germany, they're all over the place, and you kind of lose that chemistry, like you said, of being together and, you know, tweaking songs as you go along instead of saying, well, I have to wait two days to get it back, and I have to listen. And go. It's much easier to be together. I'm glad that you still like, you know, to do it the old school way, the way it should be. A band is a band. You band together. Yeah, and you know, what, nowadays it, it's fine to 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 work with uh, with with um, with the tools that we have nowadays. But in the end, if you're doing like handmade rock music, there's nothing against to uh, to bring on sweat, go into the rehearsal room, get into the stinky rehearsal room, uh, practice for two two weeks, and then be released to get into the studio and record it again. That's the way it should be. Yeah, you're right. That is the way it should be. And you know, with the new Wolfpack record, I, I love the rainbow cover that you did. Is there any plans? I mean, I know it's a project. you got so many people. It's impossible that go on the road with this. But is there any way you might be able to do, like, maybe one-off shows where you can grab a whole bunch of people together for one night and perform yeah, these that songs? Would be, that would be, you know, that would be that would be fun. We've got a couple of festivals here, and we're looking out for somebody to book it. And if, if we could play, like, uh, make it make it a one-hour show because we're working on number three album now, and um, we've got songs enough, maybe invite three or four singers, we have a band that can per- play, and uh, then we take it from there. If, if we got like three or four singers, uh, then we're, we're on the way. That's fine. No, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. Like, like I said, you're working on the third one now. You've got two under your belt. Is there any one musician that you've been trying to get to perform on the album since the first one that you haven't been able to get yet? Um, no, it depends, because um, we're we are trying to... Uh, we are trying at the moment. I'd like to. Um, I cannot tell, but because we have got the names for the next album already set, there's a couple of guys that I love to work with, that I really admire, and that I like. I mean, I'm I'm just a great fan of Mr. Michael Sweet, and uh, it would be fine if he could sing along with us. That would be fine. So um, I'm a great fan, and uh, when when we played with Matt Max the Rocklahoma Festival a couple of years ago. Um, the um, the guy the uh, striper played there as well on the festival and so it was very nice to hang out with the boys and we and, uh, and 20 years ago we have been supporting striper here on the European leg so uh, that was interesting that would be cool Mike's got a great voice he's, a, he's oh, an amazing singer absolutely absolutely, absolutely. Uh, that'd be fantastic well you know besides this we'll, we'll go with Mad Max I mean 30 years over 30 years since the band started you broke up in, you know at the end of the 80s for a while but the 90s were a hard time for music in general. Uh, did Mad Max just pack it in because the scene was changing or, you know, I know things happen. Record labels aren't there anymore. Things aren't happening. Was it more personal or just business? Like, you know, or just maybe the band ran its course at the time? No, I remember we were signed to, to Roadrunner Records and uh, they couldn't break us in America. And we, we had to deal with Bob Chaparty and uh, the guys from uh, Concrete Management. That's based in, uh, that was based in uh, New York as well. Yeah. And, um, so uh, Roadrunner wanted to sell the whole package of bands, and uh, these guys from CBS just wanted to have one band that's kind of Dokken style, and that was Mad Max. And so uh, we didn't get the deal, and I was so disappointed. I was uh, 21 then in 86, and 
uh, then I, had, I quit it because I thought this is, uh, there has to be something more in it. So I quit the band and uh, left for good and joined other projects. So that was the way it went. And I joined Bonfire and I joined Casanova, my own band. Yeah. So I get back in Mad Max like 10 years ago now. I know, and you've put out so many records, and it's so consistent, too, which is a hard thing today. You know, I keep putting out albums every year, every other year. And, you know, like you were saying, you try to break in America back in the 80s. That seemed like to be the biggest goal for a lot of bands from, from Europe and from overseas is to break here. Today, it seems like it's the complete opposite. Nobody really cares about trying to make it in the U.S. anymore because the market seems to be more in Europe. Is that how, you, is that how it is today? <laughs> You are absolutely right. When I was thinking about like uh, 20 years ago, or oh, I'd love to see a show of Yesterday and Today, and I'd love to see a show of Dawkins and all these, and everybody's coming in now and saying, like, who's playing in Germany, House of Lords? And said, oh, that's incredible. Everybody's coming in here. Yeah. Trooping in, storming in. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's it. true. That, that, yeah, but, that, but, but anyway, yeah, and everybody's uh, uh, go, going out to South America now, Brazil and Chile, and uh, I said, well, uh, this is interesting as well. So, so new, new borders to cross, and uh, it's, I tell you, it's interesting. And uh, there's gonna be, there's gonna be a time when everybody uh, is going back to America. You know, I love, I love America, and I love England as well. So that's the mother. Uh, I mean, it's the mother tongue that we are singing in, and. Uh, I love to be there. I love America. I was there like one and a half years ago in, in Nashville, did, did some song, songwriting. And yeah, what, should I, what can I say? So many gifted musicians, so many nice people, and uh, they still have it. Absolutely. Yeah, Nashville is, is a really hot place for music over the last few years. It's become very big down there, and Absolutely. A, lot, a lot of musicians going there. But I, you know, I always found that because like here in the U.S., like, we're so trendy. Like, you know, if metal is big today, we're going to be metalheads. Tomorrow, if, you know, disco is big, we're going to start dancing. We never we never stick to, like, what we love here. I mean, I do, but the majority of people, they just kind of follow trends, and things just come and go. It seems like in Europe, especially yeah. in Germany, like, you know, if you're if you're into heavy metal, hard rock, you live it and you breathe it, it seems, your whole life, and you never abandon it. Yeah, yeah, but but I remember the times in Los Angeles, like like 25 years ago, when we've got, when you got this wonderful uh, KNAC that was a huge radio station. Yeah. They played rock all the day, and so it all started. You never know what's happening next. Uh, changes, everything changes so fast. It could, it could be that the, I think rock music will never die. It's still a kind of rebellion. It's uh, touching your heart. When I listen to disco and pop music, like my daughter is 11 years old now, and she's just listening to plastic music, I, and I tell her, honey, it's plastic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do the same thing over here. <laughs> yeah, you don't. If you, if okay, nobody. I tell you what, nobody is able to to recall these songs that are in the charts nowadays. And twenty years later, who was the artist? Who, who, who? Yeah. And yeah, if if, if if you take this big big dinosaurs of Journey and you Boston, these songs will live forever and ever, always. It, it's so true. I mean, you know, there's so much heart and soul in in rock music. Compared to this other stuff, like I said, it's plastic. You don't remember it. Today, Britney Spears, tomorrow, um, another girl. And, so, and they're, not re you know, they're not really singing from the heart. They're not putting any of themselves into their music. It's just, hey, I wrote a song for you. It's going to be a hit. Sing it. And there's nothing there like where we dedicate our whole lives to this. Yeah, and I tell you, we, we've got only four or five chords. We've got the Beatles. We've got the Stones. It's, it, you cannot... You cannot uh, Get new melodies. All the melodies are there. What you have to, what you need is an attitude, and you need the right approach, and you need the soul. And uh, this is what rock music makes it. Yeah, I, I agree. What do you have planned for the rest of this year? With because uh, you know, Mad Max, the album's coming out. 
Interceptor will be out real soon. I think another week or two here in the U.S. we're getting it. And I tell you, I've been playing it. Amazing album. I mean, you know, Rock All Your Life, Sons of Anarchy. You guys really hit the nail on the head this time. <laughs> I love, I, you know, I wanted to have it to stick as much as we can to Dokken and this kind of style, to really make clear, no, we, 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 we are going there. We are not changing. No ballads. We are going on and on and on. We have to kick it, kick it. Make it the Dokken style. Make it the Striper style. Getting back in the 80s and deliver the goods. That's what we want to do. And it's, I mean, it's the original lineup. We are, like with Matt Max, it's the, these four guys made it like 87. Yeah. Or, yeah, we teamed up in 85, so that's true. And that gives us now 25, oh, Jesus Christ, 27, 28 years now. It's incredible. It's a long time. Yeah, it's longer than a marriage. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what, what I'm going to do is, like, later on this year, I'm uh, singing for Herman Rebel and his friends, Acoustic Fever. I produced the album as well and did the album. And I'm singing for Hammond these Scorpion classics, yeah. And we're going on tour with Bobby Kimball of Chocho and uh, John Dawkins, acoustic-wise, here in Europe. Oh, that's very good. See, that's what we miss here in the U.S. We don't get to see stuff like that. That's what we need over here. That's a, that would be a great show. I, we will come. <laughs> I hope so. And, you know, talking about the new record, you do a great cover of Sweet on there. And you also re-recorded Show No Mercy. Yes, that, that's what that's what we did. Yeah, and uh, this is um, I, I was talking. Hey, I, uh, I was trying always trying to get Andy Scott. Like we are we had the Fox on the run like 25 years ago, and yeah. on the last album was the Fever of Love. And I met Andy and said, "Well, yes, you can do it, um, but I'm not into it." And I did, uh, this album, I just wanted to have like Steve Priest, but unfortunately, uh, uh, he was singing all these these funny things on the. This, uh, on this old sweet albums, and I tried to get him, but he was uh, on tour, so it didn't didn't work out. Unfortunately, this time again. Next time we're gonna put another sweet cover on the album. Yeah, of course we do. It's a running joke. It's great. I yeah. love it. I think yeah. so too. I think it's fantastic. You got to go through the whole catalog. No, not the whole, but we wanted we wanted to get the songs that are not this typical singles, you know. Yes. And uh, like Fever of Love was a minor hit, and Turn It Down was one of the hardest riffs that they wrote in these days, yeah? It was ba-ba-da-ba-ba-da. That was heavy. That was really heavy in 75, yeah? It was. I think a lot of people don't give Sweet enough credit for what they did and what Incredible they were doing back in the day. Yeah, exactly. It's a songwriting. And, I mean, you cannot, we, we cannot do a cover version of the 16s because you cannot do it any better. No way to get, do it better. You cannot do it better. That's so true. It really that, is. That's another song called Lost Angels. And, but we cannot touch it. It's too good. I mean, you lose. If you touch it, you lose. <laughs> <laughs> well, you leave that one alone and you find another one for the next yes, album. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, Mike, you know, there's so many albums, you know, through the Mad Max. And, and a lot of people really never got to hear the older albums because they were hard to find. Or a lot of bands yeah. are re-recording the old albums. Do you ever plan on re-recording an entire old record or are you just happy to leave it the way it is? No, no, no. We we uh, uh we have the first three albums of Roadrunner, the Rolling Thunder, Storm Child, and Night of Passion. They have been re-released here in Europe uh, via Metal Mind. So uh, and they they I think uh, a special uh, printing of three thousand and all they are all away. They're done. They're sold. But we're gonna do um, via SPV. We are gonna re-releasing. I I'm not a fan of re-recording because this is wrong. It's wrong to re-record things because there was a special kind of vibe and motivation. We wrote the songs and then we did them. So you cannot copy it anymore because now we're 25 years older. It's not the, the punkish feeling anymore. It's different. If you, I mean, if you maybe do a, a country version of it 
or you do a ballot version. That's something different, but not trying to copy it one on one. I think that's wrong. I'm glad you said that because so many bands are doing that today, and I'm, and I listen to the record. I'm like, like that vibe is gone. You just you cannot create a moment, no matter how hard you try. You can't, and you know naturally, you know songs are going to change over the years as you play them as musicians, and you tweak them a little bit, and that's great live. I think to hear it like that, but on record, you're 100 percent right. You cannot create, you know, 1983 or 1984 or the mindset you were in or you're playing at that time. No, you cannot. You cannot. I remember. I remember like uh, 86 or 87. I was uh, with a night of passion. I was flying to Florida, and we did the mix uh, remix in the Savatage Studio, in the Morristown Studio, with Dan Johnson. And we have to. I had to do a couple of overdubs. And this, this, uh, this, uh, this, this feelings that I had when I was singing and I was performing. You cannot copy it. It's, it was by the heart and from the heart. And um, I mean, I could do it different, but it's not getting any better. I know exactly what you mean, and if you had to ever go back and redo anything, I would love to hear a couple of the songs from the first record that you weren't uh, singing on at the time redone with you on there, because they were pretty good songs on there, and naturally yeah. they kind of get lost in the mix over the years, because it's so old, the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, whatever happens, I, I, I was listening to the Rolling Thunder album, uh, and I, I think it still stands the test of time. It was like, I was, I mean, I was 18 years old, and... Uh, that's incredible. I love. I still. I still like that music. It's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, that evil messages. Great song. The whole album is a great album. And when you look back at being a teenager and just getting into the business for the first time, and you're yeah. probably more happy about just saying, "Hey, look, I'm on a record and playing." When do you Absolutely. say this is Absolutely. a business, and I really got to protect myself because this is how I'm going to earn my living one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I, I was thinking, hey, where's the contract? Where can I sign my name? <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to keep you much longer. I, it was great talking with you today. Wolfpack, brand new record, Cry Wolf is out now, and okay. also brand new Mad Max coming out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, okay. The best of luck with everything. Okay, thanks, Mikey. Take care. To to all the listeners to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show, um, stay tuned and rock your socks off. Yeah, that's the most important thing. Michael Voss here. <laughs> Oh, wow.
All right, that's off the new Wolfpack record, Cry Wolf. It's actually a really good record. The second one that they put out, and I heard me talk at the mic, he's going to try to get that on the road and do something with it, and they're working on actually a third record. So, T, we're down to the last 15 minutes, buddy. Get on a couple more tunes, and I think we'll wrap things up here today. How does that sound? Sounds good, man. Sounds good. Yeah, I, I was looking at your post you put on, on Facebook uh, about Merciful Fate. I guess Hank Sherman and uh, Michael Denner. Yeah. Uh, are they just doing the the full album on guitar to two of them? I don't know. You know what? <clears throat> I just read. It. I just caught it myself, and I and I sent it to you. I can't concentrate. I gotta, you know, I saved it so I could read. It yeah, I'm I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah, I, I took a full glance. Maybe you know, but uh, yeah. it, it looks like I guess this week they're gonna release their version of the full record. It looks like the two of them are just playing together on the couch. That doesn't sound right. It sounds like a Dave, Her- <laughs> Dave Herman was doing, but uh, it looks like the two of them are playing oh guitar together. Oh my god, that was another story <laughs> we didn't really touch on. <laughs> No, Holy Dave, well, crap oh. I mean, you know, we know Dave Herman from being, you know, because of New York radio, but I think, right. I think he's pretty much well known, you know, in the, in the rock world and as a DJ, you yeah. know, outside of New York, even though back when he was on the air, there really was no internet so people could hear him in other play, but a famous DJ here trying to have sex with like a six, seven year old girl or something in St. Croix. Yeah, he set it up like through, through the girl's mother who happened to be uh, an uh, undercover uh, agent. Yeah. <laughs> that is. That is not only is that some right. sick shit, but I mean, sick. come on. Do you not That's know silly. that when you're on the internet, there's like a 99% chance that yeah. you know you're talking to a cop and undercover, like I said, agent. Exactly. I mean, are, I mean, are you that? I mean, how? And they caught him this time. Who the hell knows what else this guy did that they didn't catch yet? You know. True that. Yeah. He didn't just wake up at 67 years old and say, "Oh, I want to have sex with a six-year-old girl today." I'm sure there was other shit going on that they don't even know Ooh. about yet. I mean. Ah. I mean, I can't, and, and this, I mean, didn't this guy watch Dateline NBC? You know that they're going to set you up. Exactly, <laughs> you know, exactly. Holy shit. And I'm, I'm not condoning, I'm not saying, you know, don't go on the internet and do it, but I'm, you don't do that at all. But I, I'm it's just saying, you got to know that, you know, there's a pretty good shot on the other side. There ain't some freaking, you know, third world country mother trying to pimp out her daughter. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cop, you know, come on. Amazing. Crazy shit, man, I'm telling you. But getting back to what we were talking about uh, with Michael Denner and, and uh, Hank Sherman, it looks like they re-recorded, maybe not re-recorded, maybe they just played it, you know, sitting on the couch together, uh, the whole album, track by track and guitar. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to look at it and see what it is, but 30 so years. That, King um, of- according to the posting, Merciful Fate, Hank Sherman page, uh, the guitar, two the guitar players recently got back together to play the entire Melissa, Melissa album. The video of the session, which took place at Dennis' apartment in Copenhagen, will be released on October 30th to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the band, of the LP, mm. I'm sorry. It says that uh, Lars Ulrich of Metallica, a fellow Dane, played drums on the new version in the in, in, the, in the Shadows album. But that's it. Like, I don't know if they're playing along to original tracks, I, I don't know. It's, it's curious. A way of making some money, you know. He's like, yeah. Make a couple of bucks. Well, maybe it's their way of trying to uh, start King Diamond into a reunion. I mean, Mercer yeah. technically hasn't broken up. I mean, King focuses on on you know the King Diamond yeah, solo stuff. There's more money to be made in the, doing the King I, Diamond. Exactly, but you know what? I think right now, with this being the 30th anniversary, that was like a landmark album for the band. It's probably the most famous yeah. record. Out of the original three, that you know, the two and the EP that they put out back in the 80s, yeah, I think this would be a great time, especially with King. Is, you know, he's healthy again. He's out playing shows. Timmy uh, uh, Graber is still around. I think it was a record shop over in Denmark also. And uh, Kim Ruz, I believe, is a postman out there. And he's been, he was supposed to start something called Ruz Metal, he was talking about in the beginning of the year, but nothing came out of it. 
And he was a little peeved that, like, when Metallica had that 30th uh, anniversary show, they, 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 you know, they kind of flew everybody into play except for him. Like, they kind of excluded him from that uh, get-together. So, I mean, you know, if they're all healthy, they're all playing, and they can still play, you know, I mean, you know Michael Denikan and Hank Sherman. I'm yeah. sure Timmy Gray could pick up the bass, because let's face it, anybody could play the bass. Uh, <laughs> well, included. I mean, that bass was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, Getty Lee or, uh, you know, Chris, exactly. Chris, White, uh, Chris Squire, but uh, Chris White, yeah, that shows you where my head is. But <laughs> <laughs> I know but, what you're um, saying. Yeah, but, um, you know, what they could do is sort of like what Danzig does, you know? He brings out uh, Doyle, and they play some Misfits. Yeah. yeah. The Misfit songs, so maybe King could do that, you know, bring out, you know, the certain members of the band to, you know, on certain gigs, you know, obviously it would be festival gigs, it wouldn't be like every night, you know, wherever he's playing, you know, but yeah. it's remarkable that the, that King can do solo gigs as King Diamond, but people don't know the Merciful Fate stuff, it's like weird, it's like, it's 30 sure. years later, and well, 30, yeah, right? It is, 20, from, the, from that album, 20, from 30 years later. Thirty years later, and people like would just go see King and not know about his Merciful Fate stuff. That's yeah. weird. You know what it I is. mean? I it personally is, like the Merciful Fate stuff better, but that's only because I'm, you know, I'm a roots type of person. But I do like the King Diamond stuff. Don't get me wrong. But then there are those albums that he released with Merciful Fate after King Diamond, or while King Diamond was still, you know, together. Yeah, that were really good too. You know, I'd love to hear some of that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the, man, the King Diamond stuff. I mean, I'm sorry, the later Mercy Fist stuff wasn't bad. It didn't have that vibe like from the first, you know, the first album. Yeah, but and, there were a couple of gems. You know what I mean? Oh, like, there were. You know, like I, Egypt, and I can't remember all the songs, but there was like a couple of gems here and there. You know? Yeah. That well, you they know, could touch on it too. Yeah, and I Sharon was on all those records, you know, and yeah, exactly. even the King Diamond solo stuff. I love Fatal Portrait. I thought that like was, you know, that to me like could have been like the you know the next most fate record after Don't Break the Oath came out. Yeah, it was yeah. really great. And I loved Abigail, but then after that, I mean, I've always been a King Diamond fan, you know that, and I, I buy every record, I love them, but I started kind of getting lost with like them and then the Eye, and they just kind of got like too themey and uh, yeah, the storytelling and. It was missing like that, just that, you know, that four-minute kick-ass song. It just, it felt like you had to, like, get through, like, it was like an audio book, and I, I kind of got a little bored with them, you know, so I kind of... Did it kind of mirror, it kind of, to me, it kind of mirrored Iron Maiden in a way. Yeah. Like how yeah, Iron yeah, Maiden I, started so. to, you know, release albums that, like, you know, songs went on and on, and, exactly. and like, the lyrics didn't make any sense, even though it was English. It's just like... <laughs> I no, kind of right. I kind of lost it lost that fire for me. I'm sorry, you know. I you know, hear after that. when somewhere in time was released and that was it. Like there was a discussion on on Facebook about it, and I was honest, you know. I like you know when it started to get like too too intricate and too uh, too proggy, I'm out. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you know they got plenty of fans. They don't need me. <laughs> I, I have to agree with you on that one. That's how I felt too, but. We'll see what happens. I think they should really take advantage. You know, the scene is really, you know, getting hot Definitely. again. It's not and gonna his get voice like is was. better. And his voice uh, is yeah, better. I think so. Health, so. He doesn't smoke. Hell yeah. Get out there, get together take with advantage. the original lineup, and go yeah. to Frig out there and start playing. I guarantee you, they will sell out all those nice, you know, mid-sized, you know, arenas, like those 2,000, 3,000 seat Definitely. arenas. Definitely. Definitely now, with, you know. Yeah. Usually. Go out and do it and make some money. All right. You know what? we got to wrap things up here. We're down to the last All few right, minutes bro. of the show. 
Thank Again, you for hanging out. Uh, enjoy the rest of your birthday. I have, a, have, a, have a nice uh, cordial tonight and a piece of cake. And uh, many, many more, brother. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. So since we're talking about Merciful Fate and the 30th anniversary of Melissa, we'll get on Black Funeral. And if i got enough time, I'll squeeze in another last-minute tune. But don't forget to tune in Thursday to the Metal Matinee. It's a Halloween spooktacular number six. I love yeah. doing that show, and I will see you guys then. All right. All right, buddy. You take care. I'll talk to you this week. Take care. All right, here you go. Merciful Fate, Black Funeral, and whatever else I can fit in after that. I want to thank my guest tonight, Michael Voss from Mad Max and Wolfpack, and the man, Chuck Billy from Testament. Take care, everybody. I will see you Thursday. <laughs>